Everybody, and welcome to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast, discussing and debating the iconic and the forgotten of 80s and 90s pop culture with your co-hosts, James D. Graves and Jason Colvin. So here we are on our best of the parodies of the 80s. Best of the parodies. Yeah, best of the parodies. Movies. This is our first movies. Uh, yes, yeah, our first movie podcast. First really movie. Yeah. yeah, and of course, uh, we got to keep our namesake in the picture here. So we're going to talk about Airplane by Zucker, Zucker. Abrams, and Zucker. Z A Z. Z A Z. And we are going to talk about Spaceballs by the uh, originator and master of the parody, Mr. Mel Brooks. We really appreciate you tuning us in and we hope we keep you entertained please uh, be involved with us um, on this podcast we have um, an account on twitter that we would love to talk to you and communicate with you the Um, name of our twitter handle is at shirley podcast on facebook or at shirley podcast on twitter that's it okay so to jump right in uh, we're going to talk about airplane all right, so we haven't. I haven't talked to you. I don't know if you've got a, a preference on which one of these is better or not. I've made up my mind, but maybe we just uh, maybe we'll just keep it a secret. Let's just dive in and see what we got. Okay, to jump right in, uh, we're going to talk about airplane. Wait, wait, wait! Be- before we get started, I just just say, every time. <laughs> I just want to say to you, D. Yes. Good luck. We're all counting on you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I couldn't go, get too far down the road without. Not yeah. One quote. Sure. It's, oh my gosh, it's going to be a quote fest. Uh, looks like the pick the wrong week. Quit smoking. <laughs> In fact, we should just stop talking and just play the movie and get out of the way. Okay. So, Airplane was released in 1980. Um, let's try to do maybe some rapid fire exchange back and forth of things that happened in 1980. Padded shoulders became a fashion trend among young professionals that were dubbed in that particular year yuppies. Uh, well, I get the unfortunate uh, John Lennon was shot. Rubik's Cube was uh, de- debuted yes. uh, in 1980, which quickly became the hottest toy trend of the early 80s. Uh, did you have a Rubik's Cube? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I took it apart and I put it back together and I never learned actually how to solve it. Actually, I was young enough at that time, I saw my brother take it apart uh-huh. and I was like, oh, I can do that. And then I pulled all the stickers off. And they don't go back on once you pull them off. <laughs> so we had to get a new. Ruby. I was a sticker puller offer. I actually I can solve one side, maybe two sides, but I can't do the whole thing. I can get it all the way. I can get it top layer and next two down layers. But there's a formula to get that last layer, and I haven't yeah memorized it. Not me. Okay. Also, June of nineteen or not June of nineteen, but nineteen eighty. Uh, you had the Miracle on Ice. Yes, that's what I have as my next one as well. The U.S. team with their amateur players does the miraculous thing and beats the Soviet Union, whose players were all professional and incredibly good. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. Okay, uh, go ahead. Okay, so um, ACD, another sad event. ACDC frontman Bon Scott dies. 
um, and that was in February of 1980. Shortly thereafter, they have to decide what to do. They find frontman Brian Johnson through auditions. He actually came straight from a Hoover vacuum commercial. The new high-powered compact from Hoover. It's a beautiful mover. The new compact does more than beat. It also cleans. It also sweeps and brushes right to the edge. It's a beautiful mover. When opportunity knocks. Yeah. There's opportunity and then there's back in black knocking on your door right yes so they had um they had recorded partial some of back in black had set it up um but he worked with them completed the album and back in black was released uh in june of 1980 that blows my mind he is doing vacuum cleaner commercials. Yeah. And they say, come scene on Back in Black. Now, they didn't know what, I mean, you know, Back in Black. It, it might be the one of the best albums of the 1980s. Oh, there's no question that it is their best album, and he has okay. done a phenomenal job with them since then. And, I mean, his voice is so similar to Bon Scott's, and his stage presence was spot on. His look was different than anybody else. It was a solid. I mean, they are arguably one of the best rock and roll bands of all time. Uh, all right, how about this? Mount St. Helens blows up in 1980. Yeah, I don't remember that either. But um, my father's recollection is that it was like almost like nighttime during the day, like the, a cloud enveloped at least all of the U.S., if not the whole world. I remember it. it. That was a very sort of curious thing for me, you know, following along this major explosion and killed people and. The mountain blew half of its top. And yeah, it was, a, it was supposed to be an inert volcano, right? It wasn't supposed to be active. It was. It, well, it was a sleeping giant, and yeah. they started to notice the bulge. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay. Um, I had that one as well. Uh, so next one on the list is Lakers beat the 76ers for the NBA championship with Mr. Magic Johnson himself scoring 42 points in the final game. Best point guard of all time. Don't come at me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about this? Uh, Post-it notes go on sale for the first time in 1980. Oh, wow. So that's an interesting one. Yeah. Okay. Um, in On October 3rd of 1980, which is the day that I turned five. Nice. The police released uh, Zenyatta Mandata, which had my favorite police song on it, Don't Stand So Close. The world may recognize Ronald Reagan was elected in 1980. That's kind of a big one. That is kind of a big one. <laughs> I, I remember that. That one I actually remember, yes. That was, that was big, yes. And I did play... a. Bunch quarters worth of Pac-Man in 1980. Oh, sure. Sure. Well, Reagan, Pac-Man. Neck and neck on importance, I think. <laughs> For me? Uh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. What else you got? Anything nothing. Else? No, All I right. got nothing. Well, do we want to do... So, do you want to do the uh, top 10 real quick? Top 10, top, top 10 songs of 1980. So, just to kind of... So, I'm a big music guy, right? Yeah. I'm a big pop music guy. 
just to kind of set the stage for when we are actually talking about this is the top 10 for the week of airplane was released on July 2nd, 1980. So this is roughly that time period. Here's the top 10 on the top 100. You ready for this? Yes. All right. Number 10 cars by Gary. Newman. Against the Wind by Bob Seger, number oh, yeah. nine. Beautiful. Okay. Hurts So Bad by Linda Ronstadt. No idea. I got nothing on that. Stomp by the Brothers Johnson. No. Okay, here we go. Now we start to get into it. Biggest Part of Me by Ambrosia. Sexy Eyes by Dr. Hook. Nope. Got nothing. Here we go. Don't Fall in Love with a Dreamer by Kenny Rogers. That one I would, yeah, that one was an LP that we had. Okay. Coming Up by Paul McCartney. Nope. Call Me by Blondie. Oh, yeah. All Fantastic. Right. Here we go. Yeah, that song's still good. One song this week, the release date of nineteen uh, airplane in nineteen eighty was Funky Town by Lips Incorporated. Nice, Funky Town's also a classic. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, let's move on to our movie, Airplane. Oversimplified plot. Are you ready? ready. Okay. Ready. All right. So, um, Striker is a war veteran and he cannot uh, handle flying anymore because of a bad experience he had. His girlfriend, who's a flight attendant, leaves him. What a pisser. He goes to find her dear John letter too soon and runs to chase her onto the airplane. He chases her onto the airplane, buying a ticket. She goes on the airplane and is surprised to see him. He pleads with her to come back to him, but then everything goes awry when the food that is served on the airplane starts making everyone sick, including the pilot, the co-pilot, and the navigator, leaving no one else to fly the plane except... Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. Ted Stryker. Ted Stryker, who is still dealing with the problem of his stress from his war days. Then, to help him, help guide him through the process of bringing the plane down, is his old war buddy, Captain Rex Kramer. Rex Kramer. They, he is uh, successful. Thing, though, that he doesn't know how much he hates his guts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he is, who is ultimately successful in guiding the plane and. Uh, he has overcome his fear and he and his striker and his girl are reunited to live on happily ever after. Okay. So that is the oversimplified plot of Airplane. Yes. So let's talk about who wrote and directed uh, the movie. Okay. David Zucker. Jerry Zucker. And Jim Abrams. Yep, that's right. The trio known as Zaz, Z-A-Z, Zabrams. Zucker, Abrams and Zucker, uh, who have gone on since that time to do multiple parody movies, including Naked Gun, which was Naked Gun uh, from the Files of Police Squad. Interestingly, there was actually a series that they wrote and directed called Police Squad that was a TV series. It lasted exactly 
six episodes. I, I've got to watch that. I have oh, not seen it yet. It is so good. And um, I, I was one of those fortunate few who had an older brother who uh, was very familiar with the video store. So I actually watched Police Squad before they ever made Naked Gun. And I so I went to Naked <laughs> Gun with happy anticipation. And it was fantastic. Uh, they took so many things from that original uh, series. But the Zuckers refused... To do a laugh track in them. They have so many sight gags, a laugh track wouldn't really make any sense for them. Right. And as a result, the uh, studio uh, said, okay, never mind. We'll air your six episodes that you did and then we're done. A laugh track would have killed that, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely it would. Okay, cool. so they started, these guys started out together, uh, work, went to college together, um, came, uh, created the Kentucky Fried Theater together, mm-hmm. which is where many of their comic bits come from, was this kind of improvisational actor troupe uh, theater that they put together. And then the first movie that they came out with was... The Kentucky Fried Movie. Exactly, which I have not seen. Have you seen it? I've seen parts of it. I've seen little bits of it. It's it's that same kind of weird, quirky humor, not to the same degree. Um, but did you know who it was directed by? John Landis. Right. Throwback to our episode number one. Thriller. Yes. There you yeah. go. So they originally, Airplane was scheduled to be a skit in the middle of the second Kentucky Fried movie. So it was supposed to be a skit, but they decided, hey, there's enough meat on the bone here. We can actually make the... Whole thing a movie. Whole thing a movie. Yep. And so the way that they came up with the idea for this movie is they were recording um, old late night bits. Do you know this story? I heard this, yes. Yeah, go ahead. Tell it. Well, so they used to leave the VCR on recording overnight just hoping to get funny commercials, sort of those uh, something to make fun of overnight. And they accidentally recorded Zero Hour. And ended up watching Zero Hour and thinking, man, this is, we could really turn this into something funny. So, for those of you who don't know, Zero Hour is a movie um, from the, what, 50s? 1957. 1957, um, which was an intense airplane drama. And if you are so lucky as to see it, you will say, oh my, they really did just totally adapt this script from that script. Um, they some of the lines are identical, identical, and because they knew that they were doing it, they were fascinated by this weird movie. They decided we're going to buy the rights to the script first, which their lawyers told them they didn't have to do, but they did anyway. Right, it's a smart move, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Avoid the, the trouble, and it couldn't have been that expensive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so do you know who they wanted to be in the movie initially? Um, so. Their, uh, their, one of their first choices for Ted Stryker was David Letterman. Did, did you I know that? I watched his screen test. His audition, yes. yes. And he's, it wasn't funny. No, it's he, terrible. It was, it was embarrassing. And they all agreed that it was terrible. They were so excited, and he was like, this is a bad idea. And then when they were done, they were like, you're right. This was a bad idea. And, and he was up front saying, listen, I, I'm not an actor. No. And he's not an actor. No. And he's on, uh, they are on one of the earliest uh, episodes of uh, the David Letterman show. I also heard Paramount wanted Barry Manilow to be one of the pilots. Oh, wow. Did you hear that? No. And then also consider Bruce Jenner. I can see that. Yeah. Bruce Jenner, probably for the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar part, correct? He was, no, they wanted him to be one of the pilots. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the co-pilot. (laughs) 
Okay. So sorry. He wanted wanted him to be in the Kareem Abdul Jabbar part, probably. Yes. Okay. But, but the real person they wanted as in the Kareem Abdul Jabbar part was Pete Rose. That oh, was yeah. their number one choice. Yeah. Uh, Which but, would have been an entirely different Yeah. Yeah. But it was shot during the summer and Pete was playing baseball. Okay. So there you go. I'm glad they ended up with Kareem. So they were involved in other pictures, uh, a couple of the scary movies, um, some other silly parody things, but nothing compares to Airplane and to Naked Gun and the sequels for Naked Gun. Interestingly, they did not do the sequel for Airplane. Um, Airplane 2 was done by someone else. It had a lot of the same stars in it, of course, um, but part of the contract with the studio was they get to decide who and how and where the sequel goes. And they did ask these guys to do it, but they weren't interested. No, thank you. Right. They were on the outside looking in on that deal. Right. So actually, before we go any further, this this podcast was very nearly Airplane versus Naked Gun. Yeah, it was. But we decided that it was those two movies were so... Similar, and you got yeah. There, it you needed to have you need to have two different um, styles of parody going. Before we go any further, did you enjoy Airplane Two? I think I did, but I, it's also been like since 1985 or earlier since I watched it, so I don't. I mean, I remember they're flying the space shuttle and it's headed towards the sun, and I remember there's like courtroom scenes, which I when I watched some of the scenes from. Um, the Kentucky Fried movie, it seemed to be kind of a throwback there to uh, that as well. I- I'm sure I liked it then, but I have not seen it recently enough to say whether it holds up or not. It's hmm? not It's not on the same level, but there's some There's some laughs in it. Right. It's, it's, especially since it's similar plot, same people. Give me a position. The name's Stryker. I'm sitting down and facing front. Why would you want to know that? Stryker. Striker, 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 striker. That's good. Anything else on writers and directors? Nothing else on writers and directors, no. Okay, so moving on to soundtrack and special effects. Okay. I have nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I got nothing either. Okay, Jason, let's stop for just a second and do a Potter and Family shout-out. Absolutely. Podcasters are a very supportive group, so there's certain podcasts we want to put our endorsement on. You have a friend that has helped us out tremendously when we've been developing this podcast. That's right. My good buddy Dave Dolphin has the Practical Worship Podcast. He's a worship pastor at a church here in Oklahoma City. Good friend of mine. He's been very encouraging and very helpful with questions, that type of thing. It really means a lot to have a mentor to help you through these things, and he's been a great help to us, and we really appreciate it. That's right. If you are in the church choir, you have an interest in church music, definitely want to catch his podcast, the Practical Worship Podcast. Thank you, Dave. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Okay, so the composer for Airplane. Yes. It's actually a famous composer. Yes. Very famous, in fact. Yes. Elmer Bernstein. Right, who uh, in the 60s and 70s was doing some of the best movies. He did The Magnificent Seven. Yep. Ten Commandments. Uh, wow. The Great Escape. Yeah. And um, as it turned out, he was close family friends with the parents of John Landis. As we mentioned, John Landis was the director of... The Kentucky Fried Movie. The Kentucky Fried Movie, right. And um, he is also the composer for Animal House, which was John Landis's next big 
big movie. And he was, it was because he was friends. He's like, hey, I'd love you to come do this. And if you remember the soundtrack from Animal House, it's this very kind of pomp and circumstance type of composing, which was perfect. You know, it's, right. the, it's the juxtaposition of this um, highfalutin music and these crazy college kids. Right. And so I think there's really no question that the John Landis ZAZ connection had to have uh, ended up with him uh, doing the soundtrack or doing the composing for Airplane as well. No and he's and he's done tons of movies since then. You, I, we, can you? I mean, we just talked briefly. I mean, all like it looks like all of John Landis's. I mean, American War from London. Yep. Spies like us. Trading places. Three Amigos. Also did Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah, I mean, uh, Moonraker, Caddyshack. Right. I mean, To Kill a Mockingbird. I mean, you get you get To Kill a Mockingbird. Right. Ten Commandments. Right. You also get Spies Like Us and Caddyshack. If I could, if I could get the, this guy's movies all down, I would, I would win at the Kevin Bacon game every single time. <laughs> right. Every single time. <laughs> and next. Was the composer for this and Animal House? That's Kevin right. Bacon. Boom! Right there. You know, another one that uh, was impactful to me was Moonraker. I love Moonraker. It has I, that kind of haunty. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I just love the movie. Uh, the yeah. I told you yesterday, my Jaws was my favorite. Like villain become hero. I mean, you got the character arc with him. What, the Spy Who Loved Me is that the first one he was in? Spy Who Loved Me. So he played Jaws in The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, um, uh, is it Klein. Richard, Richard, Richard Klein. Keel. Keel. Yeah. Richard Keel. I'm sorry. Richard Keel, not Richard. No. Okay. Richard Keel played Jaws in The Spy Who Loved Me, who comes back to reprise the role in Moonraker right. and ends up being a hero and falls in love with the geeky girl. And he gets it's, a girlfriend and becomes a wimp. Oh. No. He becomes a good man. This is a, con, this is a conversation for another day. Right. Okay. So, Elmer Bernstein. Elmer Bernstein. Yeah. Uh, it, we, we've been educated on the amazing... Um, history of his movies. Now, he's the composer, but we ought to mention a couple of things from the soundtrack. Well. Oh, sure. So you've got the classic uh, dive bar, criminal bar with the um, Girl Scouts fighting each other. And so, then all of a sudden somebody, her head goes into the jukebox. <laughs> her head goes into the jukebox and suddenly staying alive. Stay Alive by the Bee Gees starts playing at 10% increased increased speed. speed. Yes, it's faster in the movie than it is, and it's, but I mean, you gotta have something you can dance to. Uh, And then you get the the disco scene and the. uh, He yanks off his uh, his navy jacket and is already in the um, disco butterfly (laughs) collar with the white vest, and then the jacket comes back and hits him in the face. Uh, oh, it's a great scene. And you actually, and so the soundtrack, you have the got theme from Jaws, and right? Planes running. So that's a, that's a special effect. You know, they've what they've done is they've put clouds on top of a, I mean, literally like a wooden platform, and they're rolling the, they're rolling the toy. I mean, the special effects on this one are not, they don't fool you. They don't. Their budget was three and a half million dollars. Right. So, they, yes, this is their first substantial movie. And for what they had, plus it adds to the comedy value, I think, when you see a little toy plane oh, yeah. landing on a runway. Uh, so a couple of other things. If you remember, during the movie, you have the the nun singing Respect by uh, 
Aretha Franklin. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, take out T-C-P. Suck to me, 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 suck to me. A little Yes, so here's an interesting, let's see. Um, she was <clears throat> the songwriter for a song that was very popular in the 70s. That was the theme music for a TV series. Trivia question. Trivia break. Trivia break. Name that TV series. I have no idea. The TV series was Angie starring Mr. Robert Hayes. Oh, oh yeah. So, yeah, the lady who composed the, uh, the, the theme music for Angie ends up being the nun uh, in, in Airplane. And clearly Robert Hayes is the star of Airplane. He, he is yeah. Striker. Yep. Okay, and so respect by Rachel Franklin. Everything's coming up roses. Oh, Ethel Merman. <laughs> uh, he just thinks he's Ethel Merman. Uh, Which, that is her last film role, by the way. Before she right. And then... Way to bring it down. <laughs> uh, you do have a little uh, a, a little bit of the Notre Dame victory march in there. Uh-huh. I think one, one for the zipper. Talking about George Zip, yeah. Yeah. And then finally, anything before we move on to this last one? No. The River Jordan. There is only one river, there is only one sea, and it flows. Is a song written by a guy from Peter, Paul, and Mary, Uh popular 70s band. My guess is his name is Peter or Paul. It may (laughs) It it, it probably is. Or John Denver. But he wrote it as a gift to his bride on her wedding day. And so he thought it was, it was a very heartfelt, serious, and then they took it and made it into this hilarious joke. So is that is that the one where she's singing with the guitar and knocks the girl's IV out? There's only one. Yeah. And she knocks her IV out and the guys are... It's classic. Whole place is- this is a classic scene. Number one, and this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it now. They... Have people they and we'll talk of this when we talked about the actors, but they bring in people who do serious roles and the seriousness and this. I mean, that girl sings well. She's yeah. performing that song really well, and that in combination with the girl who's making the fish face because her IV has come out is brilliant. Uh, it is the brilliance of the comedy of Zaz. Yes, no doubt, no doubt. Okay, uh, uh, let's right. talk about our five top lines or scenes unless you've got one more thing you want to tell me no okay let's, let's just keep it. i can quote all day there it's there's really no end to like almost every line in this thing is perfect it, you, it's one of the most quotable movies of all time yes and okay. every every joke lands too it's not like no. i i really can't think of anything that's just terrible no no okay all right i will i will start Number five, looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, passes out. Lloyd Bridges. Yes. Brilliant. And he was a serious actor. Yep. Uh, encouraged by his sons, Bo and Jeff, to take this role. And he had trouble sort of figuring it out. He delivered He struggled. It. He was perfect. He was great. He was great. Okay, you. Okay, so my fifth favorite... I like this one. He says, uh, when the doctor and the pilot talk, Yes. there's this scene where he's like, when can you land this plane? 
in the pilot says, I can't tell. You can tell me I'm a doctor. He's like, well, I'm not sure. Well, can't you take a guess? Well, not for another two hours. You can't take a guess for another two hours? That whole conversation cracks me up. Right. Funny. Funny. Okay, so that's my number five. Okay, number four for me. The cockpit, what is it? That's a little room where the pilots sit, but that's not important right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's brilliant. Genius that they use multiple times with the hospital, with the cockpit. Yes. And I think they probably use it over again in some other thing, but it, uh, genius. Building with patients, but that's not important right now. Right. <laughs> All right. Number four for me. He says, the whole Johnny, the character Johnny, which is the weird guy at the very, kind of at the... I, I know exactly who Johnny is. Johnny, what can you make of this? He hands him some papers like... Well, I can make a hat or I can make a brooch or I can make a pterodactyl. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and jump up to my number two <laughs> because my number two is every single thing that Johnny says. Everything. He, he is perfect. And here's what's interesting. He was one of those guys who came from the Kentucky Fried Theater. Okay. Um, and uh, he they didn't write any of his lines. They just gave him the script. And, you know, here are the lines, and if you want to come in, let us know. And so every single thing that he does was his own improvisational thing, and it's brilliant. And, you know, we talked about, and we're going to get into it, but they got serious actor number one, Peter Graves, serious actor number two, Leslie Nielsen, serious actor number three, Robert Stack, serious actor number four, Lloyd Bridges. And Robert Hayes does a fantastic job, and Julie Haggerty does a fantastic job of all remaining perfectly serious throughout the movie. And that's what makes this movie so good and so funny. But Johnny is the exception that breaks the rule. It's a big, pretty plain Got big wheels. It's white with red stripes. Looks like a big Tylenol. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. So I guess we go back to you. Okay, back to me? Yes. Okay. Anything that the black guys say cracks me up every time. Absolutely. The jive talk. The jive talk. And then when Barbara Billingsley steps in to Excuse me, miss. I speak jive. <laughs> <laughs> And then she starts talking, John. Oh, man. So you know what they say. See a broad to get that booty at him. <laughs> Leg her down or smack him, yak him. Cole got to be. Chump don't want no help. Chump don't get no help. <laughs> okay, so interestingly, the uh, Zaz, when they wrote this, they really just made up garbage gibberish stuff. Right. And, but the two actors that portrayed the jive-talking uh, guys in the movie – they read the script and they're like, we got to come up with something better than this. And so when they go into audition, they've actually, again, written their own dialogue where they're throwing in some of the stuff that they grew up with, which if you hear these actors talk, it's hilarious because they, I mean, they've, they're the most well-spoken, <laughs> clear. I mean, it's not what it does. They don't sound like the, the guys in uh, airplane at all. Uh, but those, those guys came up with that and it, it kills. Their mama didn't raise no dummy. They dug the rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> you or me? I don't know. Go ahead. Uh, the part in the bar where the Girl Scouts are fighting, yeah. when he leans over to tell the guy, I may be dreaming, pinch me, right? Uh, but the best part of that whole scene is when uh, Elaine is dancing with the guy and he gets stabbed in the back. And ah, he's like... Pointing at his back. He's pointing pointing at his, his back, back and, and she, she thinks it's a like, dance, dance move. Moves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Joey, have you ever been in a Turkish prison? <laughs> Joey, if you like movies about gladiators. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? 
<laughs> Peter Graves gets asked to say these lines all the time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, poor guy. and he was, he was incredibly nervous about playing the part because he had been in nothing but serious roles before. And he just didn't, he was like, I don't know if I can do comedy. And they said, we don't want you to do comedy. We want you to be as serious as you can be. So can you imagine delivering to a child actor, the line, have you ever seen a grown man <laughs> naked with absolute sincerity? How do you do that? I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Okay, I got to say one thing. There's this one line that I'm going to give honorable mention to because I literally laughed out loud. I mean, I laughed out loud throughout the movie, but this was a paha laugh that I don't even, I need to look up the actor, but he's one of the bit actors in there in the um, air control room and he's on the phone. Doing the flying has no airline experience at all. He's a menace to himself and everything else in the air. Yes, birds too. <laughs> that I was. Never even noticed that. Oh my gosh, it's hilarious! Well, I'm gonna throw in an honorable mention too. Okay. When Leslie Nielsen comes in and says, "I just want to say good luck. We're all counting on you." Right. And then continues after they've after. already crash landed. They land the plane and everything's done. I just want to say good luck. We're all counting on you. Right. And then our number one it's, has to be: surely you can't be serious. I am serious, but don't call me Shirley. Yes. Thank you, Airplane, for giving us the title of our podcast. We're so thankful. Very much. All right. Okay. So we are now on to the actors. Okay. Okay. You ready? Ready. Okay. Let's roll with first our two, our top two actors uh, who are Robert Hayes and Julie Haggerty. Okay. Honestly, they didn't do much else besides this. Robert Hayes was in Angie, which was a popular series at the time. Then, after it was canceled, did this movie and not much else. He was obviously in Airplane 2, as was Julie Haggerty. This was Julie Haggerty's first major motion picture. And she's been in quite a few things since then, but nothing of... The only thing I really remember from her is, what about Bob? She's the wife. Oh, that's right. Oh, well, that is a a solid movie. That's a funny movie. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So... That's it for her and for him, really. Yeah. When I if I see him, he's airplane. He's Ted Strike. Always. That's it. Yeah. She's going to be Elaine. Always. Yeah. So. Okay. So then we move on to our supporting cast. Uh, we have Peter Graves, who is famous from the Mission Impossible series. Um, not Which the I, Tom Cruise Mission Impossible no, series, but the original television series where we have the original soundtrack. I want to play that right now because it's so awesome. Um, anything on Peter Graves? I know what you're thinking. No, we're not related. All right. Okay. Who we got next? Uh, Leslie Nielsen. Okay. So Leslie Nielsen had been in some pretty weird uh, kind of B-movie things, but always a serious role in these kind of funny. He's in a Martian movie. It's very strange. Like one of those old 50s sci-fi. Bad he's sci-fi. Like, right. Like Mystery Science 3000 type of thing. Oh, for sure. And he's like the the kind of the. Tough guy. The guy. Yeah. Know, the man. He's, the, he, he's the, the hero. Right. But whenever I see Leslie Nelson, to me, he's Frank Drebin. Absolutely. I mean, he's the doctor from Airplane, too. But he's Frank Drebin. He's Frank Drebin. For sure. From Naked Guy. Then we have Lloyd Bridges 
father of, as you mentioned, Jeff and Bo Bridges. Bo Bridges, uh-huh. the fabulous Baker Boys. Okay, so these guys came from TV. Um, Leslie Nielsen had been in Forbidden Flat, Forbidden Planet, the weird sci-fi fifties right, right. Um, thing, and then um, Robert Stack was Elliot Ness in the old Untouchables uh, series that was on TV. Yes, 119 episodes of the whole, the whole run, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so here, I have a funny story about Robert Stack. Okay. This is a true, this is the, a true story. I don't know how, if it's truth or not, but we're watching Airplane okay. at my grandparents' house. Okay. Okay, I'm little, I'm not little, I'm young, and my granddad goes, I know that guy. He pointed at the TV, uh-huh. and I'm like, I'm watching, I'm airplane. I'm like, who do you know? Right? Robert Stack. He knew Robert Stack. They served together in the military during World War II. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Was your grandfather's name Stryker? <laughs> no, it's George Sip. <laughs> it's George Sip. <laughs> Sorry. Well, we'll we'll go and check Robert Stack's military record and I'm see like, if things check out or not. The unsolved mysteries guy. He, he's the unsolved mysteries guy. That's how. Yes, that's right. how I know him. Right. Yeah, he'd, he'd always be in that kind of trench coat, dark alley. Here's the story. It was a dark night. Yeah. Yep. And then, so we, as we said, Peter Graves came for Mission Impossible, the TV mm-hmm. series in the '60s as well. Yep. Um, and then Lloyd Bridges came from Sea Hunt, uh, sea which Hunt, yeah. which is uh, a big show that I didn't. I mean, well before my time. Me too. A couple decades. Yep. And I've never seen Mission Impossible. I've he never was, seen the original Mission Impossible television show. Never seen it. You've never seen it? No. Oh, it's good. They, they they have the masks. Like they do the thing with the pulling their face off mask. That's where it comes from in the the Tom's uh, Tom Cruise series as well. Cool. And um, so then Lloyd Bridges also was in a police story, which was another TV series later on. Okay. Um, was kind of the main character in that, and I believe a spinoff of that afterwards. Um, but uh, these guys were all serious actors from. TV who kind of were beyond their prime at the time that that this movie came out. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Um, we have anything else to say on the actors? No. Nope. Okay. Nope. So we're into the final wrap up of Airplane. Right. Because I can't think of Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon on Oh, Airplane. yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. So I'm trying to think. Okay. So Leslie Nielsen. I can't do it. Okay. I'll have to. We'll have to take a pause and I'll okay. think about it. Okay. Let me, let me give this a try. Okay. While we're on the Yeah. Go for it. Leslie Nielsen mm-hmm. to George Kennedy okay. in Naked Gun. Yes. George Kennedy to Clint Eastwood in uh, The Iger Sanction. Wow. Okay. Yep. Clint Eastwood to Charlie Sheen in The Rookie. Yes. Charlie Sheen to Tom Cruise in... Uh, Charlie Sheen to Emilio Estevez in Mint Work or Young Guns. Right. Emilio Estevez to Tom Cruise in The Outsiders. Tom Cruise to Kevin Bacon in A Few Good Men. Seven. You didn't make it. You didn't make it in seven. (laughs) Seven. You didn't make it. Okay. So let me me think about that real quick. Okay. So. Okay. So had a little time to think this over. Okay. um, But I didn't really take the time to think it over. Right. But that would be cheating. Right, that would be cheating. I didn't. I didn't search IMDb. I literally thought of this as I just went to the bathroom and came back. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Julie Haggerty. Yes. From Airplane. Okay. 
to Bill Murray in What About Bob? Yes. Bill Murray to Rick Moranis in Ghostbusters. Uh-huh. Rick Moranis to Steve Martin in Blue. My Blue Heaven. My Blue Heaven, thank you. Okay. My Blue Heaven, Steve Martin to Kevin Bacon in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, good one. Yeah. Because Kevin, Kevin Bacon is just in a, a very brief spot there, but... Um, he was filming a movie with John Hughes all, like, kind of at the same time. And so the, the movies were supposed to be linked up. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So now we are moving on to comments on that movie. Um, this is a sleeper hit. I mean, we you had a movie that was done by guys who had only done one movie before that was kind of a, well, I mean, well, it was a really low budget movie. Right. And then even Airplane was very low budget, but... They knocked it out of the park. Oh, they crushed it. I mean, it uh, it's it is a timeless movie. This is not one I've watched with the kids yet. Mm-hmm. You got nineteen eighties PG ratings, right. which feature boobies. So I don't, you know, <laughs> not gonna have the kids watch that. I mean, I can tell you a story about the boobies in Airplane. Those specific boobies. <laughs> those, tell me, tell me those the particular. Story. Yeah, tell yes. me the tell me the boobie story. Okay, so this was a movie I watched at young because my dad thought it was funny, okay? But he was trying to keep me from seeing – there's one scene where a woman is wearing no shirt and she just walks directly in front of the camera and then walks off screen and that's it, right? Right. So basically you have – Half a second. It's just out of nowhere, boobs, and then they're gone, right? right. And so he was trying to well, watch this movie with me. Yes. Protect me. Protect my eyes from. Well, you've got to you've got to know exactly, or or it's they're there and then gone and then it's over. Yeah, and uh, he was the best and was ready. So that was my uh, first on-screen flash of skin. Yeah, really? Yeah, like the first time you ever saw naked boobies on TV. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Nice. It's a special day. <laughs> so, Dad, thank you. I know it wasn't your purpose. Mom, sorry about that. Dad, thank you for your ineptitude. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Okay, so I, I literally, I can't, there's nothing bad I can say about this movie. I have no criticism at all. It is brilliant from beginning to end. There's, I will say this. Okay, so there are a couple of, of jokes in there that I still don't get. Okay. So you remember like midway through the movie, just as things are kind of going crazy, all of a sudden, as they're talking about the bad stuff that can happen, this spear comes out of nowhere and yeah. on the, on the map. I have no idea what that was about. Um, I, I don't know why it's funny. It was just kind of Random. It was random. I mean, their stuff is really random already, but that was so random that I was just like, I don't even understand how this is a joke. That movie is so funny that, and they have such rapid fire jokes. Yeah. That that spear doesn't even cause me pause because I'm already moving on and there's a, something funny right after that. Somebody was looking at how many jokes there are, and they're literally like 90 jokes per minute. In just any given scene uh, that you have in this movie, which is just, I mean, it's too much to keep up with. Mm-hmm. These guys tried to fit something in every second. And then the other joke that I didn't get, excuse me, the other joke that I didn't get was the watermelon falling from the sky onto the desk. I don't, it was just like. The watermelon, I don't remember. What? Yeah, I mean, not, it's just like okay. the watermelon just 
I mean, they're just in the they're in the control area and they're all talking and it's like things are going to go bad and boom, watermelon falls and busts apart all over the desk. Huh. And I looked it up. I tried to find it and nobody knows what those things mean. Okay. And I think even the guys in the commentary are just like, you know, we re- I really wish these jokes had gotten a little more play. And I was just like, I don't understand the joke. Nobody does. And you're not explaining it. How about this one? Okay. Johnny. 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 Yes. So he's hilarious. He's Doctor's funny. Steve, I think. But yes. Okay. Go ahead. I, he knocks it out of the park. He steals the scene. He crushes it. Yeah. And I have even quoted this, the Rapunzel, right? Rapunzel. Rapunzel. Right. It's funny. I don't know what he's talking about, but it's funny. Uh, right. Well, do um, you have anything to more well, to say? The on only thing I would say is I have no critiques. I have no critiques at this point. I think it's perfectly funny. Yeah. Deliciously uh, naughty, you know? Right. Uh, a little bit off humor, which makes it even funnier. Right. Um, and if somebody said, would a million dollars more to the budget made it, make it any more funny? And I don't think it would. No. I, there's nothing more that they could have done no, the, with the, another million bucks. The lack of technical savvy on the special effects makes it a little bit more funny. The right. fact that you can tell it's a model airplane as it lands makes it more funny. I bet that the I bet the most expensive thing they did was running the actual plane through the window. That probably was the, the most oh, expensive yeah. scene that they probably shot. Yeah. I will say if you have I don't know if we've talked about this or not, I can't remember, but if you've got the, the DVR remote and you can hit pause Yeah. in the nightclub scene when they're playing staying alive and he's dancing with her and it's the disco scene, right? Yep. She's uh, flinging him around by his feet. And when she lets him go, he does this big backflip. Right. Right. Well, the, the stunt person who does the backflip is obviously not Robert Hayes. So right. this is massive backflip. You can see Robert Hayes hiding in the crowd pre backflip. Oh really? Which is kind of a funny blooper if you're if you've got the remote control. Um, when he does this giant backflip and lands, you can see Robert Hayes cowering in the back, hiding among well, the people. That's funny. Kind yeah. of a cool blooper. Um, well, and I don't. Did, did I'm trying to remember? Did we talk about the very first scene where it's the red zone is for loading and unloading, and the white zone is for is for immediate white loading zone and unloading of passengers only. There's no stopping in the white zone. No, the white zone is for loading and unloading, and there is no stopping in the red zone. The red zone has always been for loading and unloading. There's never stopping in a white zone. Don't tell me which zone is for stopping and which zone is for loading. Listen, buddy, don't start up with your white zone. It turns out those are the actual people who recorded those... PA things that they played in all of the airports all over the country <laughs> for those things. And those two people were actually husband and wife. Is that right? Yeah. That's really yeah. Cool. All right. Now it's time to jump into Spaceball One and travel at ludicrous speed so we can warp ahead in time to 1987 when Spaceballs was released. So join us next week for part two of the debate. Here's some of what you're going to hear. The actor who portrayed Prince Valium was Jim J. Bullock. Yes. Who I remember from the Hollywood Squares. No doubt. He was, I think, a lifetime member, <laughs> um, along with Joan Rivers, who does the voice for uh, the robot Dot Matrix. Dot Matrix, yep. Vespa means wasp in Italian. The, the very, very white girl is Princess Wasp. 
Um, Makes sense. It's funny. Yes. She doesn't look Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third co-writer is Ronnie Graham, who you will recognize from the movie as the priest uh, for the wedding. Every line he says is funny. Absolutely. When they say, they say, I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. Be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your support of the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Don't forget, we also love to discuss these on social media. So be sure to follow us at Shirley Podcast on Twitter. Shirley Podcast on Facebook. Email us at ShirleyPodcast at gmail.com. Or check out the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast channel on YouTube. And as always, please hit the subscribe button now so that you never miss an episode of the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Late! I don't know, sir. They must have hyperjets on that thing. And what do we got on this thing? A Cuisinart? No, sir. We'll find them, catch them. Yes, sir. Prepare ship for light speed. No, no, no. Light speed is too slow. Light speed too slow? Yes. We're going to have to go right to ludicrous speed. <gasps> ludicrous speed? Sir, we've never gone that fast before. I don't know if the ship can take it. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, hilarious. Yeah. All music images and movie clips are used for the purposes of commentary and education in conjunction with the fair use agreement under the U.S. copyright law.